Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Bama Beat podcast, brought to you by Wiggles Pickles. I am Hunter Johnson. I'm joined by Cecil Hurt. Um, Cecil, how are we doing? Great. Hunter, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. Um, we have been People have been wanting to do a mailbag podcast for a while, and we haven't done one in a while, so... We are going to do a uh, a mailbag today. We got a lot of questions, some good, some related to hardwood flooring. We'll do our best to answer all the questions that have been given to us. And you know, as in the uh, amount of time we have, we don't want to do another hour and a half podcast like we did with the flashback pod. Those, those did get some great. Uh, some great appreciate responses. the appreciate the responses. Definitely good reaction. For sure, for sure. So let's just get right into it. First question is from Corey Parks, I think. It's C- at C Parks 92 And he said, if you had to project right now, how many players do you think see in the ro- do we see in the rotation? Do you think there's a realistic chance for this team to compete for an SEC title, regular season, or tournament? See, so what do you think about in terms of rotation? Um, well, I think that, yeah, nine or ten for sure. Uh, could could be in the rotation. It tends to, as seasons go, it tends to to get to that number. And part of it is is if you try and match up with teams and play bigger against bigger teams, and you know some of it is just um, are you just going to play the way you're going to play, and, and that's the way that it is. And you know you try and manage it a little bit. You try and, and keep as many guys happy as possible. Uh, but, um, you know, I think that I think your starting five right now would probably be uh, the veteran guys, Herb, Petty, Shackford. Um, and I'd say probably Quinterly and Bruner. Yeah, Quinterly and Bruner would probably be your other two. So that's five. Uh, you'll definitely see Primo. Uh, you'll definitely see Chiku. Um, so that's seven. Uh, Sounds like you're probably going to see Keon pro- Ambrose-Hilton. Uh, well, Keon Ellis for sure. Keon, Keon Ellis definitely. Right. Keon's and, and and because he's been really good in pra- really good in practice. Okay. Uh, they're really high on him. Um, so that's if you take one key on, that's eight. Um, Rojas, I think, as long as he's continues physically coming back, um, then then that's nine. Um, that that leaves Ambrose Hilton. I think you'll see some of him just as a, an inside guy. Reese, um, Darius Miles, and Juwan Gary. And that's so, twelve right there. That's twelve. Um, so who are we leaving out? Who's the thirteenth guy? It might be. It might be thirteen. Actually, I might. My math just might be. Yeah, I think. I, I thought it was thirteen. I thought we had nine, yeah. and then yeah, four, it's thirteen at the end. 
so I think you'll definitely see um, those nine, and and that's not to say that the other four are bad. You know, Reese Reese could certainly play a lot if um, you know his, his hip is good and um, everything works out for him. He's certainly got the skill set to play a lot and stretch a defense and and give them um, good size. So I think they've got they. If Primo can be a solid backup point guard, um, although I think you'll see him at the one and the two, um, I think their depth is really good everywhere else. And have depth where, like you kind of said it, where if we're going up against a team that plays a little bigger, we have some bigs that we can use that might not play a ton all the time, but like are good. Are good. We have good depth at different positions so that we can play a couple different styles. If we need to go really small, we can. If we need to go kind of bigger, we can. So, um, the yeah, the SEC, SEC is wide open to me. Right. Um, you know, Kentucky certainly was the top team. They, they lost virtually everything, uh, almost everything. Now they recruit back up. Um, so, so it's, but it's hard to, to gauge exactly where they'll be. They'll be good. And they'll be hard to beat. If, if it's, um, if there are crowds in Rupp Arena, they'll be hard to beat in Rupp Arena. Uh, a little bit, it'll depend on the format and how it's played. And if there, there are crowds that they're able to have attendance um, at some level. Um, I think Florida's roster is good. I think Tennessee's roster is good. Um, Auburn will be in rebuilding, but they recruited really well. Um, Arkansas they're replacing probably a lot of be. points. I guess, man, I, how many guys have, have come through Arkansas? They should be good. You know, they, they've taken a lot of. Transfers LSU if they're eligible, you know, and and I've got no reason to think that they won't push through another season with this thing before it gets resolved one way or the other. Um, we have a question later innocent, on. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, so. innocent until proven guilty. Um, but now their roster is nice. They're really good, really good. Um, so yeah, it's it's. It's easier to, to look at maybe a couple of things. Vandy's still getting better, but rebuilding. State's replacing a lot. Uh, uh, it would be hard to see State competing at the very top of the league. Don't really see Georgia um, competing at the top of the Georgia, league. Georgia or Ole Miss. Um, you know, Buzz did a good job at A&M. Missouri's pretty optimistic. I think they, they bring back a, a lot of guys. So... Um, you talk about Ole Miss. Ole Miss brings back Schuler, Romello, White. I mean, they won't. I don't really know anything about them. Yeah, you're talking in. about winning the. We're talking about winning the league. Just, okay. I just don't see them in that. I don't see them in that. I don't see anybody being an easy out. You know, just uh, oh yeah, we'll definitely go to that place and win. Uh, but championship contenders, uh, I would say Alabama would like to get in that mix with Florida and Tennessee, Kentucky, just based on them being Kentucky. So LSU, similar, LSU, again, LSU if they're eligible. Right. So kind of our next question is a little bit similar, but kind of different. Regarding this is from Charlie Pond at Charles Pond. Regarding 2020-2021, which vibe would be the most fun on the floor? Not what is the best lineup, but what is the most fun slash exciting to watch for a few minutes? And with mine, um, I'm pretty, I pretty much went with what our starting five, four of our starting five. With Quinterly, Petty, Shackelford, and Herb, and then I put Chiku at the five instead of Bruner, which I think we'll probably see that lineup some. Yeah, and you know, I mean, 
Primo's Primo's people people because he they didn't have McDonald All American games or he wouldn't have been in them because he's Canadian and all. You're talking about a one and done guy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about a guy who who could be one and done. So uh, I'm excited to see him in action and see how he develops. Uh, apparently, uh, again, really, really a hard worker, really, you know, trying to, to do everything he can both for this team and to get to the next level. So, um, but yeah, I'd like to, <laughs> it'd be fun to have a, a game just as a, a neutral observer, let's say where you had Petty, Reese, Shaq, Quinterly, and um, maybe Chiku out there, all shooting threes, just that just coming fun. down and just coming down as fast as they could and shooting threes and pulling. And if and if three of them were on, you know, if if Reese and Petty were both on at the same time, that'd be that'd be it. <laughs> be tough. You know, they could, they could put a hundred. They could put one hundred twenty-five on the board. Right. All right. The next question. This is this is for me. Um, this is from Andrew Terry at a Terry sixty-five. It said, "If fans are allowed, do you plan on wearing the meat sweats in Coleman this season?" And that is a resounding yes. Absolutely, I do plan on wearing at least the sweat top uh, of the meat of the Arby's meat sweats to a game in Coleman this year. I want to thank Arby's again for sending me that. Um, very excited. To, to, I've been wanting that for a while, and it's nice to have. Um, all right, next question. It's from Brandon Boggs at Boggs UA. This this is a little bit this is a tough one for me. I had to Cecil hadn't heard any of these questions. I actually had to sit here and think about this for a little bit. It's kind of a three part question, and I'll, I'll just go one, and then you can give me your answer, and we'll go through it. All right, name your most consistent Bama hoops player in your lifetime. Which I take this to mean like you just knew what you were going to get out of him pretty much every night. Uh, Reggie King would okay. would come to mind. Uh, you know, just a great inside guy. He was going to get you 20 and 10 just about every time out there. Um, you know, you, you've got to be an older school fan to remember the mule, but he was a, he was very consistent. Always, you know, an inside guy who was always um, high energy. So, so- um, played hard. So I would say he would be. He was he was very consistent. Um, I, I think that um, there have been, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, again, it's, it's what do you talk about them bringing? Um, I thought as a point guard, Terry Connor was was really good and really consistent. Um, trying to think of somebody more recent. Um, so Bond, the one that I went with, that. I went with Richard Hendricks. Yeah, Richard, similar his, player to Reginald. King his junior year, he just he was. I mean, he about averaged double double in SEC play on a, on a team that was not that did not have a ton of success, but like you knew what you were going to get from Richard pretty much every night. Yeah, I, I think Relaford too. Um, yeah, was was a guy that that kind of fits that mold for me a little bit. Um, played hard. Gave good effort. Was going to score. Uh, you know, probably going to facilitate other people scoring. Going to facilitate other guys. Um, so, and, and that's not a knock at, at anybody else. Um, you know, some some guys uh, were just 
talented. I mean, they were just going to bring talent every night. Mo Williams was going to bring talent every night. Hollywood was going to bring talent every night. Um, so I'm not that to, to not mention somebody here and saying, oh, they were inconsistent. Um, they were right. a lot of guys. Well, this the next part of the question kind of is asking that. Who had the highest ceiling, but also the lowest floor in your lifetime? Whereas they could go out <laughs> and just put it up and then the next night come right back out and just not really give you anything. Yeah, the, I, I didn't think that there were many guys that were that way. Um, I had one that came to mind, and, and I love him. Wise. He's one of my fa- it's, not, it's one of my favorite players, and he got knocked on for not giving a lot of effort, and I don't think that was the case. I just think that's how he played, and that's Rogers' art. Um, right. I think a he, lot of it, people would put Rod in there. And he, Rod and he, I was listening to this, Rod part, knows part of that, him. Yeah, and, and believe me, part of that answer is Rod had a high, high, high ceiling when he was right. on, um, when he was when he was playing well, and and he was so um, good the, as a freshman and a the sophomore. Expectation. And he went through the slump as a junior. Yeah, and, it, and, and just, by the way, I have to do this. When you mentioned Rod, you remind me on the previous question on reliable Irwin Dudley has yeah. to be has to be mentioned in that um, as as night in night out productive consistent. Um, Watley a little bit. Watley was super super talented. Um, and, but you didn't know every single night um, what was coming. Um, I thought I thought people didn't realize how how good Robert Ory was mm-hmm. in in college, um, and, and he had some games. Robert could get bang around. You know, people would try and push him around, intimidate him. Um, because he was, I mean, he was playing the four and the five, and he was pretty skinny. He, yeah, right. And got to the NBA as more of a three four, and mm-hmm. and um, everybody knows how we, how he was in the NBA. He's a he's a fascinating Hall of Fame case. We ought to do a pod on that. Yeah, sometimes. I, know Bill, I think Bill Robert, Simmons has written a column on it about how like he probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Robert was. As he went on to prove, his his ceiling was so high, really high. Um, now there were some guys, and I'm not going to get into guys who who came in and had a big rep, and for whatever reason, a lot of them are personal reasons. They just never, um, never had the careers that people thought they'd have out of high school. Well, I think we actually everywhere. do have a that question everywhere. semi-related to that later on in the pod. There's another question we're, we'll get to in a minute about talking about like, guys that came in with a lot of hype and then ended up not. Um, but the third part of this question was who in your lifetime most exciting player to watch? Um, exciting? Uh, yeah, it depends on... It, it, it's all relative. Like For me, it was Chuck Davis just because I love Chuck Davis. But I'm right, not going to be right. my answer here. But you know, Watley was a great point guard. Handled the ball, could shoot, um, could could do a lot of things. Uh, he was very exciting to watch. Hollywood was ex- James Robinson was exciting to watch. Um, and he was that first exciting guy that, for me that I got to experience. That guy, um, you know, it, again, if if you wanted. It, 
uh, you know, a guy who was only here one year, but Colin. Obviously. Colin was going to be, that was my pick. Uh, obviously, Colin would be one. And, and again, talking about one and done guys, if, if you know, it wasn't just 40 minutes of excitement, but. Um, when Gerald had the ball. When, Ger- when, Gerald, when Gerald had the ball, you didn't know if he was going to dunk three guys through the basket with it. You know, he, he was, was my number two. Yeah. Um, and then another so guy those would be. I would have another one, and that's Kyra Lewis. I think that I kind of – I mentioned this on a couple a couple pods ago, and I'd gone back and watched some games from this past season. I, I, I don't feel like I fully appreciated how electric Kyra was in the open court. I mean, so fast. He was a very, very exciting player, especially in this NATO system. Yeah, I would, I would go with those guys, and that's, you know, that's not to say that healthy Ron Steele wasn't exciting, or Kennedy wasn't exciting, or, or, um, you know, a lot of other great players um, yeah. uh, over the over the years. Um, they, right. They've had plenty more than their right. share, I guess. The next question, and this was we. Somebody had asked us a while back. They wanted us to have a podcast on this. We're not going to have a full podcast, but kind of break down a little bit. Of, we th- you mentioned this with LSU earlier. Kind of just break down the, the the investigation and where it's kind of at and what you kind of think. Where I know that you never know what the NCAA is going to do. But with that right. last you know thing that came out, it was a pretty harsh rebuke of LSU. Right. Um, just kind of break that down a little bit for people that might not really understand where that's at. Okay, the procedure has changed, or at least there's there's an option within the procedure is, that has changed. You used to, uh, the enforcement staff would pre- present a case to the Committee on Infractions, and you would go before the Committee on Infractions. And several schools, and it's not just LSU, um, North Carolina State has done the same thing. Uh, Memphis did the same thing. You, you, did Oklahoma State have to do this? Um, I don't know which way they went. Okay. Honor, so I can't I can't answer honestly. They're obviously on probation, but they feel like that there's just they're so far apart from the what the enforcement staff says um, that that they can't get a fair couldn't get a fair shake from the committee on infractions. So the NCAA has created um, you know another procedure where you go in front of a council of 15 neutral, you know, attorneys and, and um, others that they appoint um, who aren't necessarily NCAA um, committee members. And you make your case and, and they then they decide which side. It's like, almost like an arbitration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they hear one side, they hear the other, and, and both sides are going to be extreme. I mean, they're going to be, it, it's again, it's like a, uh, I don't know precisely, I don't want to say, but like a business arbitration where where each side is going to make its most extreme case. And then this this council decides and there's no appeal. That's it. Once you Once they've decided, there's no appeal. Now, um, so, so LSU is just going to, just going to roll the dice. I mean, you, you, it's swing for the fences or, um, 
you know, it's, it's going to be a very heavy penalty if it goes the other way. But you just have to see. There's no way to know. We don't even have enough past history to know how those those decisions are going to go. Um, but it's not a court of law. People people confuse that with, oh, well, they don't have this evidence or they don't have. Hey, they, they could say um, that that what was on the HBO special, that that's evidence and mm-hmm. that's it. That's it. And you can't argue it. You can't appeal it. You can't go to the, you know, Supreme Court and say, you know, or or there's not not within the the NCAA. I mean, I guess you could go into the legal, the actual legal system for years and years, by which time you will have served your penalty. Um, So, you know, you don't really have much recourse. So how that's going to go, I don't know. But the enforcement staff, you know, it's not just from the enforcement staff standpoint. And Hunter and I are not making any judgments, or at least I'm not. Hunter might make one. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not making any accusation that this did happen, didn't happen, this happened, this didn't happen. One thing that we know for a fact is that um, – institutionally LSU has backed Will Wade. They have not been particularly cooperative with the process. Um, and all of that accrues and accumulates in terms of your institutional control. And only um, they've only really done so one thing to at all like, you know They sat some guys out from the SEC tournament too. And years then, and ago. he was suspended. For the tournament, I guess. And Wade, Wade was suspended. Wade was, was suspended. I, I guess. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I guess a couple of guys sat out um, a couple of games, and then they've they've competed right on. And now one one theory is one point of view is that that they're gonna that the committee may say, look, not only did you do this stuff, but you knew about it and you kept on playing. Mm-hmm. For two years, so we're gonna we're gonna nail you for what you did, plus those two years you owe us those two years mm-hmm. on top of whatever you get, you know, what whatever you did. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but that's the you know that's the three year, four year postseason ban theory, right? And we'll see if that happens, right? So. Quick break, real quick. And, and and you know what? Because what doesn't matter to anybody, and I hope that that they reflect. And this is not saying LSU is guilty or not, or or anybody else, Kansas or or you know anybody, Auburn, Alabama, anybody. Uh, what doesn't mean anything to anybody is vacating those wins. Exactly. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. You know um, that doesn't. Everybody just shrugs that off and says, "Hey, we were there. We won this. You know, we we cut down the nets." Who cares what's in the media guide? You know, right. Who cares? Right. Well, um, a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Wickles Pickles. Wickles, wickedly delicious. Pickles, relishes, okra, and much more. Wickles are proud to be Alabama-owned and made using a family recipe 90 years in the making. From Saturday sandwiches to Christmas dinner, their secret recipe used to be reserved for family and friends who were lucky enough to get a jar. But since 1998, they've been bringing the sweet, heat, and bold and tangy recipes into your home. Learn more about them at wicklespickles.com and find them in your local store in the pickle aisle. Let's get wicked. I've been eating a lot of uh, 
Wiggles products early Saturday morning. Woke up and decided to make a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich and put some of the Wiggles jalapeno spread on it, and it was delightful. I don't know that I'll ever make breakfast sandwiches without the jalapeno spread. That's one. That's really the newest product of theirs that I've gotten into lately. So thanks again to Wiggles for all they do to support the Bama Bee Basketball Podcast. All right, next question. I feel like I'm going to know your answer on this one, um, but I do kind of have a unique answer. This is from Ben Flanagan at this Ben Flanagan. Where were you when Sam Haganis' heroics took down the defending national champs, Kentucky, in 1999? Now, I'm going to assume, I'm pretty sure that, Cecil, you were at that game. I was covering the game. I was covering the game. I actually was not. One of the few games I missed that year, I was at a church retreat. I was at No Compromise, Shaco Springs, right outside Talladega. And I did not even – I didn't even get to watch the game. I'm still a little bitter about that. I I was there, the original Greek freak. Sam Haganis. Yes. Um, Doc Martin also had a great game that day. Doc Martin had a great game. Scored because Brian scored Williams like 20, was not playing. Scored twenty points. Yeah, Alabama was a huge underdog. Seemed like um, Hayes wasn't playing too. Jeremy, I think it already hurt his knee. Or, okay. or I'm trying to remember whether it was the year he got hurt or the year whether he tried to come back and then decided it, mm-hmm. it just wasn't. Wasn't a go, um, but yes, I was, I was there. Um, I covered that game. Um, one of the yeah, yeah, wins over Kentucky that really sticks out. Right. All right. Next question is from Zachary Johnson. That's at ZP Johnson three. What is a realistic expectation for Javon Quinterly this year? I don't know that I'm well, numbers, but I mean, I expect him to be our starting point guard and play about 30 minutes a game. Yeah, I don't expect him to be Kyra. Nobody, you yeah. Know. I mean, this, the, Kyra's going to be when they ever eventually have an NBA draft. He's a, he, he may be a lottery guy at this point. You know, he may be an 11th, 12th pick. So, uh, you know, that's that's – an overestimation. I think if he can handle the ball, distribute the ball, um, score, shoot enough to where you've got to guard him, where he's not a no check at, at the point, um, I, I think um, that's that's a good year. And I think he can do those things. Now, the other thing, um, He's really not played very much competitive basketball in two years. Uh, you know, since since his senior year in high school, he, he played a little at Villanova, and then had to sit out last year. So so there'll be an adjustment period for him. Um, but I, you know, I think so. I think a reasonable expectation is just to be a good dependable point guard, uh, which Alabama's had had a lot of. Now, he does not have to – it's not like um, he's got to carry this team offensively. Right. If he contributes – if you have to guard him, if, if he can contribute to making the defense spread out, which is what they want to do, and can find open guys and, and can – you know, get the ball inside when when the defense comes all the way out, has to guard. Pen- he be able and, to penetrate. 
he and Petty can he either penetrate, which is supposedly his um, bread and butter, or or his jelly, to be um, <laughs> in in Quinterly language. Uh, supposedly that's what he does the best and has done the best in practices last year and and this year. Um, then then he can have a great year, and then he's got. I think Bruner gives him a, a really reliable inside presence. Um, yeah, I think some of the other guys, uh, they'll have enough size down there with Rojas. You can put Reese down there. You can put Chiku down there. Um, Juwan Gary, we'll see how that works out. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's fair to have relatively high expectations with the realization that he hadn't played really in two years and he's following an NBA lottery guy possibility at the position. And and one good thing about you talked about those bigs that give him, you know, some reliability down low. All those guys could shoot also. So what that allows and I think we saw it a little bit in the we saw it in the iron in the iron bowl of basketball in Tuscaloosa. Let's say a team has a really good big guy like a Austin Wiley. Well if if you have a five that can shoot and is you know can dribble and they're having that you know this five on defense like Wiley's having to go outside, well that's opening up the lane. Or like right. in the case of that second right. half of the Auburn game, they had to take Wiley out because he couldn't guard Reese at the five, and so that right. just opens up the lane so much more. And that's why I'm excited about Quinterly because that's what he's kind of known for is that being able to penetrate, and hopefully he'll have a lot of opportunities to do so. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And, and and one other thing, he won't, I don't think, you know, who knows, 2020 um, always has a surprise in the bag for you. But, uh, yeah, there, there came a stretch last year when Herb was hurt, when Petty was hurt, and Kyra was kind of having to do a lot. He, he was really having to, offensively, um, to do a lot. And I don't think that that Quinterly will have to carry that kind of burden and deal with that kind of deal with that kind of pressure. You're right. All right. Next question is from friend of the pod, Cameron Luke Ratliff at Fluffopotamus88. This is a dumb question, but it's because he asked it, and I'm gonna I at least got to mention it. He'd give me crap if I didn't. What is a good price per square foot on hardwood floors? I. Mark Jennings addressed this in a Chance Corner podcast a while back. I really have no idea. I've never had to put hardwood floors into a home. Um, I did see that somebody below on this tweet mentioned that it's two to three dollars uh, per square foot. I would urge you to go find the Mark Jennings Chance Corner episode if you want to hear more about hardwood floors. But as always, thanks for the question, Luke. Yeah, I'm as as Luke knows, I'm more of an expert on water heaters anyway. So <laughs> okay. So <laughs> next, um, but but. My suggestion has always been to take the old football lockers, you know, they, they and, oh, and yeah. turn those football lockers, the old ones, into hardwood flooring. I mean, that would be like a gaunt special. And have the and and be play, you, you know, you'd be drilling. The other team would be dribbling, and they would just man, I'm dribbling on Sean Alexander's locker, and they would just stop, and you would steal the ball from her. Speaking of floors, a couple, I guess it's probably been a couple of months, they did release the new photo of the uh, floor at Coleman, which I really, really like. I like how they have the state outline. I've been wanting that for a, a long time. Um, I don't know if you probably remember it. That old 
the old floor that used to be under the parquet, like that. I think it, I think it's like tartan or something. The I rubber even, floor. Yeah, the rubber the floor. Rubber. It had yeah. an outline of the state of Alabama on there. It did at one time. It was the worst floor. It would yeah, come up in up. sections. Yeah, because that we would play on that floor at camp because they would pick the parquet up because we had right. know, we had two courts on the two courts on the main floor. Um, yeah, that that floor definitely definitely sucked. But I, I will say this. <laughs> I do kind of miss the parquet. I always liked the parquet. I just thought it was a cool look. Um, yeah. I, I would have been okay if they had mixed like a little bit of a parquet look into it, but I'm, I'm overall very happy with how it's doing. Um, next question is from Drew Holmes, and that's at Drew Holmes, 256. So clearly Drew lives in North Alabama. Um, is Ron Steele's injury during his junior season the biggest what-if moment in Bama Hoops history? Uh, no, probably, probably not the um, biggest, probably the block charge call on Leon Douglas in the 76 Indiana game, which was a bull crap. Um, you know, what if that call goes the other way? Kent Benson fouls out. Uh, who knows? Um, what if the NCAA tournament was structured, um, in 1973, 74, when Alabama had great teams, you know, that, that, uh, couldn't go for for various certain couldn't go to the NCAA tournament because they didn't win the SEC and they were hosting a regional, right? Um, and so so couldn't go and that that team had Final Four talent. You know mm-hmm. there are plenty of teams these days don't win their conference and get to the Final Four mm-hmm. um, or hell win the national championship know, win the national championship for that matter. So um, so those are are in some ways bigger what ifs. Um, you know, Ron certainly unfortunate. There have been other guys. Jeremy Hayes getting injured was was unfortunate. Um, you know, what if what if Popeye Jones makes two free throws and Murray State beats Providence in the eighty seven regional, which doesn't even right. involve Alabama, but what if they uh, what if that happens? Um so uh, you know, there there are a million of them and um uh, Alabama. It, it, I think if you follow Alabama, you're you're really aware of Alabama's and other teams would tell you, well, what about it? You know, we've got this and this and this. Um, Ron's injury was. I, I think they were going to have an outstanding year, and so yes, from that standpoint, uh, that's a big what if moment. Um, but then I guess the other one is, you know. What if what if Mikael Riley doesn't doesn't hit that three at the end of the regulation in the SEC tournament? Two thousand as you know, what if that didn't happen? Who knows yeah, what that's the pro- that might be consequences. The that might be the, in the in the real world. That might yeah. be the biggest one of all. Um, let's see. This one and this, I, I say we do this one during our lifetimes because I don't have the obviously the historical knowledge that you do, but this is from Brian Neal at groovy Brian 66. Um, Brian is a, is a, is a friend. Peace, um, peace out, to, Brian. Yeah. Always go. Whenever we play in Huntsville, I always go to dinner with Brian and his wife, Jenny. Um, he wants to know all time Alabama starting five. And I could do this more like, I'm going to do it for my lifetime just because, you know, I didn't see Mule King play. I didn't see Ennis Watley play. I didn't see, Jerry Harper play. I know you didn't see Jerry Harper. I didn't play see either. Jerry Harper play either. Um, but 
and and then there's a lot that goes into it. Do you want to include the guy that was only here for one year? Because if you do, if you do, then obviously I'm going to put Colin Sexton in there. Um, if not, if I'm going for more, you know, a little bit more time, I might go Trevor Relliford in there. Um, so any any thoughts? Um, I'll let you go first since I had not seen this question. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't want to. Omit an obvious choice. I know, and but. I feel like I'm going to omit an obvious one because I didn't really plan too much before. Um, at big, I'm probably going Irwin and Ori. And I know you, people are going to be shocked that I didn't go Chuck Davis there. But I think Irwin's just kind of body of work that he had in his four years. Um, at point, we go Colin. Hmm. At the two, probably Hollywood. Because uh, he could also play the one. And then at the three, I'm probably going Kennedy Winston. See, that's where you, that's where it gets tough. Uh, Kennedy's a great player, could create his own shot. Am I going to go out there at the three with Kennedy Winston or am I going to go with Robert Ory? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's leaving off some, some really good guys. That's why I'm, I'm going to play a little small. I'm going to go Ory at the four. Yeah, um, if, if I'm playing bigger, then I'm going to go with probably with Leon Douglas and Reggie King mm-hmm. on the inside. Remember something, those guys played four years of college. Those mm-hmm. guys didn't. You didn't leave early. That wasn't a thing. Um, and and so by their senior years, they're they're really – you know, grown men in there. And, you know, Leon would have been a one and done in, in today's world. Um, so, so, uh, Leon was a, a big, could block shots, could, could, um, could do those things. So, so I'm playing big because I, then I got Ori at the three. So my front mm-hmm. is Leon, Reggie, and Ori, and that's leaving off. Erwin Dudley, that's leaving off to Michael Green, you know, guys who are great players. Richard Hendricks, who you mentioned earlier, uh, Michael Ansley. I mean, that's that's leaving off some some great um, inside guys. Uh, my backcourt, that's that's really tough. I mean, that's really tough. <laughs> I could, what I could do is drop Ori down to the two. And play and play Derek All right. McKee. At, Let's not and get play Derek McKee here. and play Derek McKee at the three. Um, yeah, you know, he's a Kennedy tough one, one to leave off too, and let Kennedy because because what difference does it make? You're gonna you know getting the ball up. He'd get the Kennedy get the ball up. Um, although I'd probably with that with those four, I'd put Kyra just to yeah. run it up every time. Colin could do the same thing. And just get it up there fast. Get it on the glass. You got four six nines. You know, or Reggie's really more six seven two fifty. You know, two forty two fifty. Um, so you're you're going to crash the glass and and play that way. Uh, man, just tough to leave Derek McKee off. But I, right. I'll stick with I'll stick with um, Ori Reggie Leon up front. Um, <laughs> man, point guards. Uh, yeah, Colin. You know, it's, it's tough to leave Colin off for a one-year guy. Um, Kyra's tough to to 
leave off. Mo, uh, you know, it has really good point guards. Mo's um, traditionally throughout yeah. history. I mean, and so many that so many Robert Scott. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever you call Tr and Anthony, how you however you break that down. Um, yeah, some some great Gary Waits. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and on and on. Is I'll take Colin, but how am I leaving Mo? Yeah, off. If I take Colin, I'm probably going to take Hollywood just to just to, it's like the mad stampede. Now I've probably negated my three big guys. They're never going to touch it. No, right? <laughs> they're going to get some rebounds. That's the only way they're going to get it. <laughs> you know, because shots will fly. But athletically, that would be a that would be a heck of a uh, lineup. I could. I- Real quick, okay. You could you go, go all, 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 all defense. Tr, Murray, Herb, Roy Rogers, and scenario, um, huh, and scenario. Yeah. That that'd be a you'd shut them down. Uh, I'll yeah, say that not score much. You know, because you got you'd have to How work you so hard to get off, it. Yeah, you. Um, he didn't play as much. But yeah, you 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 they'd work so hard, and then if they got it to the rim, Roy'd just block it, you know. Right. So so um, that would be a fun. That you'd be long. You'd have Herb. You'd have Scenario. You might not score a lot with that five, but it wouldn't matter. It'd be back to the. It'd be fun to watch. It'd be, it'd be those Anthony Grant scores. Yeah. It'd be it'd be 48, six, 49, 47. 62, 58 would be a yeah. score Right. Next question is from Jim Ballard at Oh No Jimbo. Um, this would be a quick one. He wants to know Lobster Fest at Red Lobster or the Never Ending Possible at Olive Garden. I'm not a huge Lobster Fest guy. I'm going to go with the Never Ending Possible. I used to do that all the time in college. It was like $9. Yeah. You could just eat all the pasta you wanted. Yeah. Um, I, here, here's my condition for lobster. If I'm in New England, if I'm in Maine, or Boston, um, I might get lobster. I'm not a lobster guy. I'm certainly not a. That's 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 not something. And and you know, no knock on people who like it. And there's one in Tuscaloosa, and I hope they do. Well, that's just not my cup of tea. So I'm kind of there with um, I have, you. I have Only not, on special occasions. I have, I, have, I have not frequently been to an Olive Garden either. So. Um, I guess a never-ending pasta bowl is good. You, yeah. If you want to, if you want to starch up, if you're running a marathon. Yes. So I, so. I, I guess that, but um, you know, that's that's um, e- either way, it's, <sighs> it's personal preference. But um, the only time I'm in the mood for a lobster is, is um, I'll get a lobster roll if I'm in. Boston, or if I'm at an actual lobster pound, the Algonquit lobster pound in Maine, I'll get a whole lobster. That's the only time I've ever I've ever done it. So, yeah. Well, next question. We have to run pretty soon. We've got about five mm-hmm. more minutes. Um, this is also from Drew Holmes at Drew Holmes two five six. What former Alabama Hoops player, someone who like came in with a lot of hype, had the most underwhelming or disappointing career? This isn't a fun one to answer. Um, well, some of it's circumstances. Guys got like hurt. Or like 
some of them, their mom, you know, kidnapped somebody like a Devonta Pollard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like just that's that's, unlucky that's, that's what happen. I would file under unusual circumstances. Yeah. You know, you just don't know that mom's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and again, that's not to, to, no, not on, on Devonta. Not to beat on Devonta. Um, you know, by the way, I just picked a five-man all Alabama team without McDice on it, which is oh, crazy. Shit. I didn't even. Yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> but why are y'all um, even listening to us? Yeah, but that's the problem with doing it on the fly. You know, yeah. um, I, I insist on being allowed McDice to to be the sixth man, let or let Ori be the sixth man since that was his role. Anyway, so right. um, yeah, I'm going to put him in there too because you need to dunk everything. Um, so another one that um, I was going to go with here. disappointing guys, you know, Shea Sh- Sh- Cotton came in with so much hype um, that wasn't necessarily fair, you know, and and um, so I guess people were disappointed a little bit with with Shea. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, again, you, you get to know these guys and it's not just, oh, it's not the NBA, you know, they have, they have lives and reasons and, and, you know, so forth. So, um, I, I can go back all the way to Norman Ankrum, who you don't remember, he's a 6'11" kid from Jones Valley and just didn't coach Newton just couldn't get it couldn't get it out of him just couldn't do it and he went to UAB and and played better at UAB back home and and um but you know Norman just never did anything here and was extremely highly recruited so so um he'd probably be my answer but you're going back again to 19 back into the 1970s for that before WIMP. Um, so, you know, there, there, there've been a few, but it's, it's, it's tough, you know, guys, and now guys transfer and, you know, they're in and out so much and, and people don't focus quite so much on, um, in-state recruiting and this guy's the best guy in the state. And then he comes in and, and, you know, that, that varies from year to year, but, um, a lot of the guys who you think of as disappointing, I'll say this, disappointing, there's a reason. They're, they're mm-hmm. personal reasons. All right, last question. This is from Bennett Holland, and that is, I'm not even going to try to do the app because it's something weird, but Bennett, Chio, I don't know. Anyway, Bennett has this question. What do you consider a successful season with it being out second year and the roster turnover? Is it just making it the tournament, a <laughs> run of some sort? SEC success, et cetera. And like, we've kind of talked about this. I consider it to be somewhat of a sliding scale. Like if we win the SEC, like, yeah, I'd love to see us make a run in NCAA tournament, but I'm, I'm okay with like, you know, a second round loss because we got the, we won the SEC or if you right. know, finish, finish middle, middle of the pack in the SEC, but you go to the elite eight. Well, yeah, I'm taking that as a successful season. Yeah. And it's hard to say, you know, I don't know yet. We don't know what the NCAA tournament is going to be. Yeah, if it's going to be the traditional 68-team format or not. The ACC like, coaches ACC coaches today recommended right. everybody getting in. I was going to say Which really like, only takes one more week, you know, yeah. uh, to, to do it that way. 
and you regionalize, you play, you play some pods and, and so forth. Um, but, Initially, I was going to say a second, a second round NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty good. Well, like that could be like, be, oh, you're one of the top 90 teams then, because if they, you know, if every team makes the NCAA tournament. I'm going but, but to, here's nice my specific be answer, Hunter. If they're, if the question is what, what's a disappointing year, uh, lower than 33 in Kim Palm. How's that okay. for a specific answer? If they're lower than 33 in Ken Palm, then, you know, if they're 32 and up, then that's a, a fulfilling year. 33 is pretty you're high. You're going to be a 30, 30, top three in the league, probably. 33s and 8-9s, uh, yeah, maybe a little higher than that because of the automatics. Uh, you're, you're a 6-7 seed, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to be a seven and not an eight or a nine. That was that was one yeah, of the, when we were talking I, about. We were talking about what ifs. I was like, what if Alabama in 2017, I'm, you know, 2018 had been a seven or a ten seed rather than you know a nine, which so not without, have to play the best team in the country. Without knowing the schedule, without knowing if there will be a non-conference schedule, I'm going to say 33 in Ken Palm. I, I would agree and, with that. So. And we'll and we'll check on that one at the end of the year. Yeah. All right, well, we will wrap up with that one. Um, appreciate all y'all listening. This has been the Bama Beat Basketball Podcast. Thank you, by thank, you for the, thank you for the questions. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.